Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Evanston. This Sunday's message was given by First Pres Interim Senior Pastor, Reverend Dr. Tassie Green. If you'd like more information about First Presbyterian Church of Evanston, please visit firstpresevanston.org. Our scripture reading today is from Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. You can find that in the Old Testament section of the Pew Bibles on page 51, or it is also on the screen. Please join me in a prayer for illumination. Dear Lord, as we take your word into our hearts this week, surprise us with your presence in unlikely places and at unlikely times, just as you did for Moses. Amen. Exodus 3, verses 1. Moses was keeping the flocks of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flocks beyond the wilderness, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppress them. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He said, I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. But Moses said to God, If I come to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said further, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, 
and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this my title for all generations. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When was the last time you were curious curious enough to say, I wonder how that works, and then proceeded to find out whether it was pulling your phone from your pocket or tinkering. Kids are really good at this, aren't they? They're experimenters. They say, I wonder why when you add water to dirt, it turns to mud. Or little ones might say, I wonder why when I throw my food on the floor, my mom's face turn red. They want to find out what's happening. And it's good for us to pay attention to the world around us, to be curious. It's called a growth mindset. And what sparks our curiosity often goes deepest to our heart. One of the things I love about Moses is that he was curious before anything else. He had fled to the wilderness after being raised by Pharaoh. You probably know the story. God had reinvented Moses' life four times, and Moses kept paying attention to God's voice. He kept responding with curiosity. He's my favorite biblical character. Okay, besides Jesus, I'll admit. His story gives us an opportunity to go on a journey along with Moses and the Israelites in our sermon series, Road Signs and Wonders. And in fact, we think he's a pretty important person in this church. We've even got him up there. You can see in the second column, Moses is at the top. And we'll look more at the stained glass about Moses. This picture is from a synagogue, one of the oldest in the world, Dura Europis in Syria. And it shows that the people told Moses' story again and again so that they could learn along with Moses, and so do we today. God grabs Moses' attention when he's traveling in the wilderness, tending his father-in-law's sheep, fireworks, and Moses pays attention. Did you notice in the passage, Moses turned aside to see, and then God said, well, since he turned aside, he spoke to him out of the bush. God can pay attention. God can ask us to pay attention. And we'll look at that today. Now Moses was wandering in the wilderness with his sheep, going to the mountain of God when this happened. It's possible in this time of transition at First Pres that you might feel that you are in a wilderness of sorts also. Maybe it feels like there have been a lot of changes around here, or that the pace of change around us in the world is so fast. We may need time together to catch our breath or even to grieve at what feels like the big changes or losses. Or maybe it's your own life that feels like it's constantly changing. Might feel hard to keep up with it. Where are you in your life? Are you maybe feeling some anxiety at the start of school or a new job this fall? Maybe you're mourning losses or looking for relational repair. I think that we are all somewhere inside longing for a fresh start. We all hope 
and count on our God as a God of fresh starts. And so we'll hopefully discover, along with Moses, that the wilderness is a place where God meets Moses and meets us. I love looking at artwork. This is a piece of watercolor and ink that shows what this might have felt like or looked like to one artist. You know how the story goes, right? God lights up the desert with a burning bush, tells Moses he is on holy ground. When God has grabbed Moses' full attention, God reveals who God is. And in God's presence, Moses re realizes who he is. He confesses his sin because he realizes he's a sinner. And God sends him to rescue God's people. One commentator writes it this way. Moses responds to God's call to him out of the bush, first by paying attention, and secondly, with worship. God seeks out Moses in a creative and compelling way, and Moses pays attention. Moses is curious, but God makes use of human curiosity. We see in this story that curiosity leads to call. In fact, we think this story is so important in this church. This is actually a photo from the chapel, from Walker Chapel. Right up there, if you walk in and you look, it'll be on that side of the room. I don't know my directions. I can't tell you what direction. <laughs> but you can find it there, the burning bush. It has grabbed our attention, and we believe that it can lead us in worship also. Pay attention and worship. These are God's ideas. And we follow along with God, God's commands in this story. Moses passes that first test of an attentive leader because Moses notices the bush and turns aside for it. That's a pretty simple start to what God will do next. All Moses has to do first is be curious. Then God calls out to Moses. What Moses sees and hears are a series of three commands. God asks Moses to engage with me, worship me, and go rescue God's people. I wonder, is it possible that like Moses, as we pay attention to God, as we're curious, as we look at what God might be doing in our lives, we can discover some things in our own wilderness. Who is God? Who is we? And what does God have in mind for us to do next? And so we'll look at those three things today. Who is God? Every day, God calls God's people together to engage and worship the God we discover. First, we discover God in nature. Elizabeth Barrett Browning wrote a poem that says this, Earth's crammed with heaven, and every common bush afire with God. But only he who sees takes off his shoes. The rest sit around it and pluck blackberries. Do we see it? Do we take off our shoes? We can also see God through noticing God's goodness in our own stories and the way that God takes action on our behalf. Have you realized that each Sunday at the beginning of worship, we Christians are also literally called to worship by a worship leader? Whether we worship God in a sanctuary or in our living rooms or some other place, I believe that experiencing the rhythms and patterns of worship together 
can change a family and a congregation. Worship brings us outside ourselves into something greater. We lift up God's name in praise and adoration. We confess our sin and repent. We forgive one another in Jesus Christ. We pass the peace and we pray for one another, people in our town and around the world, and it changes us. If you ever wonder, what is worship for? What is, why does it matter? God and Moses' conversation actually shed some light on this. That's part of why I love this story. So in Exodus 3, not only does Moses worship, but when he encounters God's majesty, he hides his face. Do you remember the words? It said this in verses 2 through 8. God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. Then God said, come no closer, remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. So how did that go? Moses hears his name. He responds, here I am, before he really even understands what he's hearing. And then Moses obeys God's voice, and he kicks off his shoes to worship. See, kids, I can do it too. He kicks off his shoes to worship. And only when Moses responds in worship and by obeying God does he learn more about God. We too might discover that God has in mind something bigger for us in worship than just what we get out of it. Worship is meant to be a verb, not a noun, not a spectator sport. When we actively and attentively engage, God tells us more of who God is through worship and who we are as God's beloved children. God's story becomes our story, and so we learn who is God. Moses listens with curiosity. Moses obeys. Moses learns from God that God can't be compared, that God is I am one who simply is, the one in whom everything else finds its meaning. Moses discovers God's fullness in the emptiness of the wilderness. I want you to look a little closer at this moment. Yes, this is in our sanctuary, the third column over, second panel up from the bottom. This is Moses in the burning bush. And what you might not have realized is that that is the figure of Christ speaking to Moses, saying, I am. If you look at John 8, 48, you'll see that Jesus actually echoes this, God saying. When they're talking to him, he said, before Abraham was, I am. Jesus was present. Jesus is God. This this story can lead us in closer worship of God. So what does it mean, that word I am? The Hebrew word is Yahweh. It suggests that God is the one who causes everything to be. God reveals God's self as an active God who makes new things happen constantly through God's power to create and recreate. God can call new worlds and new realities into existence. 
And then Moses hears how this powerful God has a connection to Moses' own family and to Moses' own people. And so as Moses listens attentively in worship, Moses discovers God's story as well as Moses' own story. And then Moses hears this. I have observed the misery of my people. I've heard their cry. I have come to deliver them. Curious Moses can't help but ask more questions. If I come to the Israelites and I say to them what I'm doing, and they say, who is this God? What's his name? What am I supposed to say? God says, I am who I am. This is what you're to say. I am has sent me. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. So because of Moses' curiosity and questions, we have an amazing discovery. It's an amazing insight for all of us, what God is like, what God does, God's creative power, not only as God of the universe, but as God who works in our lives personally who seeks out Moses and seeks out us. God's story becomes Moses' story. And then we learn also, along with Moses, who are we? In the midst of worshiping God, we come face to face with ourselves. We learn with Moses, who are we? We also learn our limitations, our sinfulness. That bush sparked Moses' curiosity. He engages with God. He worships. And as Moses is struck by God's holiness, he hides his face. Did you know that in Reformed churches, we actually follow Moses' pattern and Isaiah's pattern in our, in our um, order of worship? That's where we get it from, that we begin by praising God. And as we praise God and realize who God is, we realize who we are and our sinfulness. And so we confess our sin. It's a realistic response to meeting our holy God. It's a worshipful act. See that progression? Moses is attentive. He says, here I am. And then when he asks, who are you, God? He grasps that God saying, I am, has power. It's only after Moses worships and learns who God is that God tells him this big news, that he wants Moses to go rescue God's people. It's God's plan. And frankly, it really frightens Moses. I'm not surprised. He nearly has a panic attack in light of God's glory and God's call on him and what he's been through. He's forced to rethink who Moses is and what Moses can do. And he he knows he can't do it on his own. Now God reassures and comforts Moses and says that he will let his brother Aaron come and do all the talking for him. He even gives him a staff, which I think is sort of like a security blanket for a leader. God adapts. They're in conversation. But God never lets Moses off the hook. God never stops challenging Moses to do what God has asked. No wonder Moses is terrified. He has seen Pharaoh up close. He lived in his household. He has seen how he has brutally mistreated the Hebrews. In fact, Moses tried to make things better and failed. He only made things worse. Yet God asks anyway. 
I want to introduce you to an artist called Paul Hobbs. He creates mixed media using common objects and biblical themes. This piece is called Holy Ground, and he worked with the London Historical Society. It's actually, as you can see, a collection of about 30 pairs of shoes on sand. They're stories from Christians from all over the world. They're short statements about what it means for each person to believe in Jesus in their particular circumstance. And then they gave their shoes to represent this. The shoes are from the despised, the rejected, people who Jesus sought out, as well as people who have known great opportunity, wealth, and success, people who have moved and moved again as refugees, people who are beautiful, people who are struggling to make a living, raising a family, people who've known great loss and tragedy, people who are differently abled, people asking the deep questions of life. All have encountered the living God and arrived at a place of holy ground where they have agreed to take off their shoes in acknowledge, acknowledgement of God's holiness. Some shoes also belong to people who are persecuted or despised for their faith, and yet they keep trusting the living God. Several people have to be anonymous due to the lack of religious freedom in their lands, but they call it holy ground. What can one believer do in the face of difficult circumstances? What can one leader do? Nothing at all, unless he or she is sent by God. So my third point, what does God have in mind for us to do next? We have to pay attention and worship to discover Christ's church is more than just a crowd gathered in the sanctuary or in our living rooms around town. Our worship can overflow into bold action. We can live out God's story each day, even if only in ordinary ways in our lives. Because frankly, God's plan begins small with the word look. God might be calling our names in the wilderness by grabbing our attention, by using our natural curiosity, God's work in the world begins to gain momentum one person at a time. And the difference between Moses and Jesus is that Jesus rescues God's people willingly. Moses doesn't, especially not at first, but each is sent by God. And in Jesus Christ, God has sent Jesus into the world, and then Jesus sends us in turn, each of us. God invites us and has us go out into the world on his behalf. We have a choice, like Moses, too. What will we do next? Maybe we should take off our shoes in worship and spend time telling each other our stories of holy ground where God might be sending us because God's call is more than just a voice from a burning bush. It's individual, and it creates holy ground. What if over brunch today, or with your small groups, or your friends, or in your committees this week, you asked one another, what are you learning in worship? What is God teaching you about who God is? What are you learning about who you are? 
and what God is calling you to do next. I hope they're lively conversations because like Moses, we too are God's people sent by God with God's I am power. That's the key. God's I am creating power. What does God have in mind for us to do next? Let's spark curiosity together. 